All right, guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is my 100th episode, believe it or not. And actually, it was exactly two years ago and one day. It was January 7th, two years ago, that I started this podcast and released my first episode ever. And if you've been listening for a long time, I just want to say thank you. Um, the support's been amazing. You know, we're still growing, but the growth has been strong and steady. And, um, I'm really happy with what we've been able to accomplish in a short amount of time here. Um, so I think there's some great content. You know, if you're new, this is your first time listening. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. And please go back and and dig into um, the 100 episodes I got. There's a lot of great guests, a lot of really good content in there. Even you know, back towards the beginning, um, I really just would appreciate if you would go back through there, follow along, you know, share episodes with friends and family. And, um, you know, being that this is the 100th episode, I wanted to just reflect a little bit, um, not for too long, but, you know, Western hunting, um, you know, is an important part of my life. Hunting in general is an important part of my life. Um, it always, always has been, it's a huge passion of mine. It's what really gets me fired up. It's what I love. Um, and Western hunting really has been a catalyst for some just amazing, like, and real life change, um, in my journey, in my walk as my, or in my journey as a man to become a better person and a, and a better man. And, you know, um, if you go back and listen, or if you've been listening for a while, you probably know some of my story, but, um, you know, I was, um, involved in, in drugs and I had a really bad addiction problem at one point. Um, very bad. Um, and then after that, you know, I was able to get clean, um, went to rehab. Um, then I gained a ton of weight. I was super overweight. Um, and I'm condensing things quite a bit, but just to give you guys a flavor of my story, if you're new here, um, but, you know, of course, first and foremost, um, getting my life back on track with my relationship with God was the first step um, in that. Um, but then, you know, to be honest, Western hunting played a huge role in me turning my life around um, because I always had this desire for adventure. I always had this need to to just push my limits and, and be in nature. And um, when I found Western hunting through my first trip ever, which actually was in Alaska, it just um, opened my eyes to the possibilities um, and and what was available to to me now that I was um, in a place where I was healthier. You know, I was not physically dependent on a substance anymore. You know, when my spirituality was growing, when my my walk with God was growing, and then um, it really inspired me and pushed me to get into excellent physical shape to be able to physically do these hunts. Um, so in a lot of ways, spiritually, mentally, and physically, Western hunting has been a huge part of my life and my journey. Um, and, um, you know, then I decided, you know, I wanted to kind of share that journey. Um, I'm, it's a journey I'm very much still on. Um, as you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, I don't claim to be any kind of expert, you know, amazing Western hunter. Cause I'm not, I'm just, I've been doing it for about three years now. Um, I've had some great success. I've learned a lot in a short amount of time, but I'm still learning. I'm, I'm from the East coast. Um, and so I think it's kind of cool that, um, you know, I think I have something to offer people who have been Western hunting a lot, um, and for their whole lives. But also I think, you know, I can really speak to those guys that were on the journey or are on the journey that I'm on, you know, of self-improvement and, and just, you know, having this goal of these adventures 
that are still very much doable and within your reach, uh, even as a quote unquote normal hunter, you know, um, and you don't have to wait years to hunt. You don't have to hire a guide if you don't want to nothing wrong with it. But if you want to go out there, do it on a budget, do it DIY, um, and just have an amazing rewarding experience. It is very much doable. And I know that because I've been able to do it and trust me, I'm nothing special. If I can do it, you can do it. And that's what kind of want to share with you guys through this whole thing. So, you know, another reason I started the podcast was because, um, in my journey of becoming a Western hunter, podcasts were a huge part of my learning experience. And I learned a ton through podcasts and really some of the, um, content that I gravitated towards the most was the stuff that dealt with like physical fitness and really mental toughness because this wasn't just about learning to hunt. This was a, oh, an entire life transformation uh, of getting in shape, of eating right, of, um, you know, prioritizing my spiritual health and my spiritual fitness, um, my family, um, and just becoming a better person. So I really gravitated to that, towards that mental toughness, physical fitness stuff. Plus it was the first time I'd really heard that type of contact content in the context of hunting, you know, the kind of hunting tradition I grew up in. Um, it just, you know, it just didn't really include much of that discussion of self-improvement, mental toughness, fitness. Um, but once you get into the mountain hunting kind of space, um, you start to run into that stuff more. I really gravitated towards that. And I was like, man, if I could, you know, have a podcast where I not only touch on those topics, but also hit the spirituality, um, side of things, because I see us as humans, as triune beings, you know, spirit, soul, and body. And there was lots of great talk about the body and the soul, but no one was really talking much about the spirit. So I thought if I could get some great guests on there, you know, not be super preachy or, you know, overbearing or confrontational, but to have spiritual discussions with my guests to open that topic um, and to get people thinking about it, about their spiritual growth and developments and their walk with God, whether you're a non-believer or whether you're a, a strong, you know, um, Christian who, who walks out your faith every day. I wanted it to be um, good hunting content and content where the spirituality side of our manhood and personhood is addressed. So I think we've done a good job of that, um, of walking that line and, and, and producing some great content. So again, I really encourage you to dig back through the library, you know, um, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. All Again, all the video versions of the podcasts are available on YouTube and my YouTube channel. So check those out. Um, right now, Again, you know, thanks for bearing with me. This being my 100th episode, I have a, a really big announcement I want to make to you guys. So, you know, if you've been listening for a while, you know I have a background in TV. I've been having more and more guests kind of lately in the outdoor TV kind of space. And so I've been working really hard and I actually um, signed a contract a few months ago. I'm going to be launching a new television show on the Sportsman Channel in quarter three of 2023. And I'm really excited about it. Um, it's already shaping up to be a great show. I think it's, I think it's going to be one of the best shows on the channel. I don't want to sound like uh, cocky or anything, but I just, um, it's, it's going to be a really good show. It's going to be focused on adventure hunts, um, Western hunts, but from the standpoint of an East coast guy who's learning and doing this on his own, 
and, and figuring out as I go. And I want to inspire you guys and show you that it is very much doable. Um, and, and just, you can go out there and have some great hunts, um, on some general tags, general units, uh, you know, um, and it's, it's doable. So, I'm very excited about that. Again, that'll be launching on the Sportsman Channel in 2023 in quarter three, so probably around July. And um, one of the things I want to do is half my episodes are going to be hunt films where I actually go out and do a hunt, DIY, Western-style hunt. And some other some hunts may not all be Western hunts. Um, they may be other stuff, too, as we kind of grow and progress. But uh, most of them will be DIY, Western-style hunts. Um, or adventure hunts in other locations. Um, and the other half of the episodes are going to, I really want to, um, draw some attention and, uh, celebrate some of the amazing Western hunting content creators that are out there that are on YouTube. Um, you know, in the, if you watch outdoor TV much, it's a lot of it is sort of more focused on whitetail and, um, east coast and midwest hunters and um you know a lot of guys who are more into the western hunting side of things um are more into the youtube kind of space and and creators there guys like you know you know like brian call my friend and mentor um you know brian barney um remy warren these type of guys so I want to highlight some of those guys who are amazing filmmakers and hunters in the Western hunting space that spend most of their time on YouTube and, and kind of bring them over into the, uh, the world of outdoor TV. So I'm going to be having, um, guests on and doing sort of a podcast style interview based show where I bring on guys like, just like I said, like uh, Brian Barney, Remy Warren, Brian Call. Um, friends that are excellent hunters and content creators in the YouTube space and mentors of mine, guys I look up to and have learned from and bring them on the show as a guest. And we will kind of dissect a hunt that they've done and we'll, we'll watch it. We'll, um, talk about what makes great hunt films. We'll talk about, you know, questions that may pop up or arise. And why'd you use that piece of gear there? Why did you decide to go on that stock and not this one? Um, just things like that kind of dive deeper into the hunt and just kind of get like almost a behind the scenes director's cut sort of look at a hunt they've already shot and produced. And then I will of course be using that footage that they shot to kind of, um, put bones on the interview and and then we'll be able to actually watch and enjoy a hunt film as well as an interview on the episode. So it's going to be kind of a mixed format hunt films and then this sort of podcast style, director's cut behind the scenes watching a hunt film with with some of these amazing creators and guys that i've looked up to for a long time so i'm really looking forward to it I think it's going to be kind of a unique show uh, i think it's going to be a really informative and just a great show so um, i already have some of those guys i mentioned that kind of agreed to be on the first season so i hope you guys will tune in if you watch uh, sportsman channel and if you don't it'll also be available on my outdoors tv it's an app and um amazon prime as well and then you know if you don't want to deal with any of that you can wait a little bit and i'm going to be releasing all my episodes on my youtube channel as well it'll just be kind of after the fact but i hope to be able to continue these weekly podcasts as well as bring you this new tv show but i wanted to announce it on this big kind of 100th episode uh, I've been working on it for a while, but kind of keeping it hush-hush, and I'm really excited to be able to share it with you guys now and looking forward to bringing that show to life. Um, it's going to be great. 
Um, so a couple more things here. I'm almost done. Um, again, as part of this this push, I really want to continue to grow the Hunter's Quest podcast. And um, as part of that, I'm doing a giveaway. So my guest today, you probably already know, um, is a special guest, Remy Warren, amazing hunter, um, amazing dude, kind of a living legend, really, if you really dig into him. But both me and Remy are Go Hunt partners um, because Go Hunt's a great company. And so I teamed up with Go Hunt and we're doing a giveaway. So if you go to my Instagram, if you follow my Instagram account, if you, um, and then you, if you tag a friend on the, on one of the reels from the Remy Warren, uh, episode or or the post about that's announcing the Remy Warren episode on uh, on Sunday if you tag friends in there um, you'll get an entry to win if every time you tag another friend you get another entry to win and if you share it to your story you will get three entries um, and if the winner will get a $100 go hunt um, gear shop gift card a free insider membership and an outdoor class membership. Now it's hundred bucks worth of gear, an insider membership, which is 150 bucks. And then an outdoor class, um, which is a hundred bucks. So it's a $350 value. And you know, that insider membership, I mean, 150 bucks is, you know, a decent amount of money, but it's priceless. I mean, I, I literally like, I'm looking at my computer right now. I have eight. Yeah, I have eight, Go Hunt Insider tabs open right now. Now is the time for application season. Now is the time to be figuring out 2023 and beyond. Um, I, you know, I've been using Go Hunt Insider since before I even had a podcast. It really is an amazing tool. I can't say enough. Like, if you want to get the most out of getting tags, if you want to be able to plan years in advance and really be efficient and and be able to get as much hunting opportunities you can and the best hunting opportunities you can, you have to join Go Hunt Insider. I like I can't stress it enough. They're not paying me to say this. Like it's just an amazing tool and I genuinely use it constantly and you will not regret paying for it. If you have, you know, if you have any inclination to want to go hunt out west, you you really need to sign up for Go Hunt Insider. Um it's it's I literally don't, I couldn't do what I do without it in terms of getting multiple tags every year. Um, I literally could not do it without Go Hunt Insider. So if you enter this giveaway, you can win one, you know, by um, tagging friends in the post about this podcast uh, or sharing to your story and following on the Instagram. But uh, even if you don't win, if you use the code QUEST to buy an insider membership, um, you're going to get a discount. I believe it's 10% off of your ember of your membership, but you're also going to be directly supporting the show. Um, so please do that. It helps a lot. Um, anything you want to go hunt or outdoor class, please use my code quest and you're going to be helping me out personally. Um, so anyway, use that code, go and get yourself an insider membership, get into the giveaway. I'm going to announce the winner for the giveaway before January 16th when I leave for Mexico with Brian and Ryan and Brad. Um, so I know I've been saying a lot of stuff. Thanks for bearing with me. If you just want to get into the Remy part, I get it, <laughs> but almost done. Um, I wanted to share 
um, something I used to do a lot, I still do from time to time, but whenever a, a Bible verse kind of comes up that sort of reminds me of my, of my guests that week, I like to share that in the intro. So when I was you know preparing for this uh, interview with Remy, the verse that came to mind for me was Matthew seven thirteen through 14, and that's uh, from the ESV. And it says, enter by the, this is Jesus talking. He says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So I think it's a great verse. You know, it's just so true. If you just kind of go with the flow and just do the easy thing, you know, the gates to destruction are wide and easy, but Remy is a guy who has lived his life doing things the hard way. He just got through hunting an entire season with a mouth tab because he had a wrist injury. Uh, he bow hunts almost exclusively. He does rifle hunt, but he bow hunt. He just picks. He does things intentionally that are hard. He self films recurve spot and stalk antelope hunts. Like, <laughs> how much more can you stack the odds against yourself? Um, he likes doing things the hard way, and because of it, he's he's literally like a living legend. And so I tried to, um, you know, approach this interview in a way to kind of get, you know, we address the spiritual side of things and, and try to hit some stuff, you know, from an angle that he hasn't really talked about much publicly. So I think it's a unique, uh, it's a unique uh, conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, so, you know, be like Remy and do what Jesus says and, and take the narrow path because, uh, that's the way to go. And those who find it are few, but if you do find it, um, you know, it's life and life to the fullest. So enjoy this episode guys with Remy. Thanks for bearing with me and listening to all this stuff I've been talking about. You know, use those codes at GoHunt. Use that code QUEST. Um, thank you guys for your support. Go to Instagram, share this, tag a buddy, get entered to win that giveaway, and uh, enjoy this episode, guys. See you on the next one. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter. And I'm here with a special guest today, Remy Warren. How you doing, brother? Really good, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Congratulations uh, on 100 episodes. That's uh, that's a good run. So yeah, man. Yeah, I appreciate you making okay. time for me. I know you're busy, and um, actually, I saw you last year at the expo. I was sitting down to get sheep feet molded, and I look over, and you were sitting there doing it at the exact same time. And I was like, oh, that's Remy Warren. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> but I didn't want to like. I didn't want to be that guy to like just come over and fanboy out or anything so oh no i like talking to, talking to anybody really i it's, i like it so i figured we'd talk at some point so i was like i'll just wait till i actually have something to say to him oh perfect yeah that's good i uh yeah dude i got those um that, have you been running those sheep feet for a little yeah, while yeah i've been i use them all season um i find that they keep my feet from really like a lot of times you know when you're like super steep stuff my feet get really like raw on the bottoms Oh, yeah. I feel like it keeps my feet like in place. I don't get that rubbing as much on the bottom. Totally. Yeah. Do you like uh, it? I, yeah, I like it. I mean, I've been, um, I used like the super feet for a long time. And I think that once I switched to the, I just switched over to the sheep feet just to give them a run around. And I feel like you just get like fatigued less, I think. And then I like mm -hmm. to run like a, a more flexible sole boot. Yeah, but me too. Have, 
like a pretty stout insole in there. So it just, it's kind of a quick combination of like, it's my little cheat code for going like, instead of breaking in a pair of mountain boots, which takes forever. Yeah. Uh, there's some benefits to them because they last longer. Right. But uh, with, I mean, mountain boots with a real stiff sole, I guess. Right. The but I found like the combo of the increased uh, support from the insole combined with a more flexible sole. It works in a lot more terrain types mm. and is more quiet and has like zero break in. So yeah. I don't know. It's my like little running gun technique. No, that's that's good because I'm from like flatland. So like I didn't know anything about boots when I started this whole thing. And my first trip ever, you know, I got a super stiff pair of like crispy guide boots and I did break them in. I wasn't that dumb, but um, still like it changed the way I walked and like just completely like they didn't fit right. And so now I wear like um, like Tatra lights from Hanwag, like super light, flexible. I can't do anything stiff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what I'm doing. I'll switch around the, the type of boot that I use, but uh, for just like quick break in super comfortable works yeah. pretty much everywhere that's what i like to do now i don't know it's my that's my go-to yeah man so you you mentioned your can i say about your wife is that public knowledge being preggo uh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> so <laughs> <What'd you> yes <laughs> so you're you're about to have i mean i could have edited it out if i had to but um you're about to have number two huh yeah, number two uh, on the way here pretty soon. So that's crazy. Man. Yeah. When's the yeah. due date? Uh, the end of January or mid January. Okay. So and I think I had mentioned to you like we just got back today from an ultrasound from for ours number three. Oh wow! And yeah. I just got the confirmation from my wife that the timing is such that I can still go to Alaska. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Did you, which makes me wonder, did you guys like, so I was pretty specific about like, Hey, let's try in this window. So, you know, I'll be around like when the baby's born, did you guys like think about that or is it just kind of, Oh yeah. Yeah. Our, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely planned out. Cause we, we didn't want, uh, you know, we're having the baby at the beginning of the open window, but we're shooting for any time from essentially beginning of February, which uh, if the baby comes a little bit late, like the last one did, it'll be the beginning of February. So we, whatever. And then um, between there and June is kind of our window yeah. that works for kids outside yeah. of that. It's uh, <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty nuts. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, you got to plan these things, but I mean, you're pretty much hunting year round though. I mean, so, you know, yeah, it's gotta be yeah. a little tougher to plan. It is. Yeah. That's what it's like. The there's the New Zealand season, but that's in that March, April, May kind of time frame. Okay. Uh, it goes into June as well, but, uh, and then, or like at least the South Pacific time frame is kind of that March, April, May, uh, depending on what you're hunting. And then, um, so that's kind of like the September, October, November of the South Pacific really. Okay. Uh, so oh, yeah, here. so I've got a very small window of like <laughs> here and here, you know, before yeah. that and after that. Uh, and my wife thought it was weird that I was trying to time it out with hunting season, but I'm like, this is normal. Like, this is good life planning. Totally. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. Like I literally just found out a couple hours ago that the trip is on. And I mean, obviously I'm happy. First of all, first and foremost, that it's a healthy you know baby and everything. But secondarily, I was stoked that this trip could still happen. Um, cause it's not easy to get up to Alaska these days, man. No. What are, what are you hunting up there? So it's caribou hunt. Oh, nice. Um, my first backcountry trip ever 
was actually like a DIY walk-in caribou hunt in Alaska. We didn't okay. get anything. Um, so, and I actually had a sheep hunt planned with actually with Jeremy from Rogue. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he actually texted me a couple months ago. I was like, man, I don't want to take you on a 10-day camping trip. He's like, there's not really any legal rams in my spot right now. And he sent yep. me back my deposit. Yeah, that's what I talked to him the other day, and he said that uh, they, they just weren't finding the sheep that they want to, so they just told everybody, nah, no more sheep. We're going to do the draw hunt, but not that hunt. Yep. Which is so cool. Actually, because, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. it's a big trip, man. It is a big trip, and I'm really stoked that he was like straight up with me. And honestly, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise because I really want to get like my caribou since I kind of you know went on that trip before, and um, and you know it's huge cost savings, and this is still going to be like a really cool and like more DIY type adventure. Like we're gonna get, um, I talked to a outfitter who's gonna basically give us a ride up. They usually do drop camps, but they're yeah. just gonna give us a ride up on an off day because they were booked like two years out and drop us with all our own stuff and we're just going to float out perfect yeah, yeah. that works that'll be so fun pretty, yeah i'm pretty stoked about it man um <clears throat> and you are a prolific podcaster as well no i guess so <laughs> i mean i do podcast <laughs> but you've done a lot right uh say that again you've done a lot though right um yeah yeah i mean uh we do weekly podcasts the uh, live wild podcast it previously was called the Cutting the Distance podcast, right? Uh, but now it's Live Wild podcast. And uh, why yeah. the uh, changeover? Um, I actually didn't. I, I don't know. I didn't technically own the other podcast, uh, so I couldn't take it with me. So I just wanted to uh, branch off and, and have control over everything. So um, I got you. I the name and everything. Because did Mediator buy that one, or they owned it already, or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Cool, man. Um, so, yeah, I know you just got off of, I guess, is this the first uh, podcast you've done other than your own since kind of like a full hunting season with the mouth tab? Um, I actually did one with uh, guys from Pope and Young like yesterday, I think it was. Okay. Days well, maybe ago. I don't know. release yeah. first. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I think it probably will. I don't know uh, the release schedule or anything. Okay. Um, probably that's probably going to be timed around their uh, convention would be my guess but yeah. so yeah it probably it probably is the first one um outside of uh starting shoot with that mouth tab cool man so um if people don't know i think a lot of people who listen probably do know but um you had a wrist injury which um required you to think of a plan b for did you ever even think about picking up a rifle or was it just like i'm going to figure it out some other way Oh, I mean, I still rifle hunted, um, but it wasn't uh, to be, well, for a couple of things, you know, first off, I prefer to bow hunt. I mean, I, I love bow hunting. I do more bow hunts than rifle hunts every year. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the tags that I had or hunts that I'd planned were archery hunts um, and I didn't want to give up bow hunting. And then the other thing was it was actually for me, I couldn't operate a rifle. So it, uh, you know, like the thought of like not bow hunting and then picking up a rifle wasn't actually even a possibility because gotcha. I, couldn't, I couldn't move my fingers. I couldn't do a lot mm -hmm. of things. So I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't safely handle a firearm for a long time. Um, you know, loading, unloading, yeah. uh, all the, you know, safety, like it was just a very cumbersome, weird, weird process. Right. Um, and also the shock from shooting the rifle transferred to the hand that didn't work, uh, didn't work. So, yeah. um, it was kind of weird. I did end up shooting a rifle and I was like, it was 
awkward. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny cause like it's a lot easier to shoot a, a bow with a, your mouth than a rifle with your mouth for sure. So, yeah, I can see that. Uh, you know, I went that route too. And it, it wasn't for me, it didn't take me that long to kind of figure it out. Um, I, I kind of took to it pretty quick, but I've, you know, you shoot a lot of different, I shoot a lot of different kinds of bows, trad bows and long bows, recurves, compound bows. I've been shooting a bow my whole life. So just to shoot it a little bit different only took like a day, you know, yeah. kind of what I felt like kind of get into it. And then of course, over the course of the season, you learn things maybe that you didn't learn shooting in your backyard while you're hunting that, uh, you know, sure. maybe didn't, was different than shooting with your hand. But, uh, for the most part, it was just a kind of a fun journey and, and something different. Yeah. You know, kind of had to change a little bit of hunting style and tactics in some ways, but I think overall it definitely made me a better hunter in the long run. Yeah. It's yeah. Like I said, it's kind of like a new, it's like, it's almost like starting over again, not completely, but, um, did you do any recurve stuff with it or just with your compound? I did. Yeah. I went on uh one hunt with my, uh, longbow or oh, was okay. I actually, it was like a long curve they call it. But, um, yeah, I did, I did do a spot and stock antelope hunt with it. Unfortunately, I wish I would have picked it up sooner in the hunt because i only have like one day left and i almost killed a great pronghorn like spot and stock with a recurve mouth tab oh my god it's so epic i snuck into <laughs> 15 yards and uh waited for him to stand up he was bedded and when i i was sitting there and i kind of had like in my head what i was going to do and i just it was stupid i should have just shot more instinctive than i was planning on using like the point on which in my practice with it point on was 20 yards. Um, I didn't think I was going to, I was like, I was too close. <laughs> and, uh, so I just put the point on like on his heart and he jumped the string a bit. I didn't really account for how slow that arrow was going, even at 15 uh. yards and how loud that recurve went off. Um, and it went right over his back, like a combination of the ducking and the jumping and then using my point on, uh, it just made it too high. Wow. And I would have had, I just shot, you know, like, the gap and just a little more instinctive how I normally shoot. But I, when you're, when you crawl into a position and you've got too much time to think, I just, there's more of like a failure by analysis in many ways. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. back going, that was dumb, but um, it was very close too. So uh, it was, that was pretty cool. I think if I had one more day, I, I would have been able to make it happen. It just, it was close. Are you filming that one too? Yeah. I wasn't self-filming. I had a buddy. With okay. Me. Uh, cruising around <laughs> it yeah. made it a lot easier i self-filming that one would have been pretty tough that's i mean that's really stacking stuff against yourself yeah it is for sure <laughs> um so yeah um is that you didn't you win one of the tags from the expo last year uh yeah but it's a kind of a weird story i won it and then i never saw it on my profile so i called them and i was like hey how long do i have to buy this on my thing they're like oh you have until the beginning of the season which turns out to not be true uh, uh, and i went back in there i never saw it on my profile to purchase it huh. and uh i tried calling them like multiple times nobody ever called me back so i don't know because oh, i never got like i never got an email saying confirming it i saw my name on the thing i called yeah, like i saw it on the, i was checking for my name i was like oh remy never saw any court any correspondence so I was like, that's really weird. So I think that it got, I ended up finding it like a month ago. It was in, it got moved to my spam and I didn't know like where to go to do the thing. And then by the time I contacted them, they'd already given the tag away to oh, someone man. else. So that was, I was so glad it wasn't a sheep tag. Cause I was, it, oh, man. I had a bunch of other hunts stacked in there and it was fine, but 
I just thought it was really weird that like I got no notification of anything. Well, it just happened to be blocked and spam. So if you get an uh, expo tag, this is like a warning to everyone. Double check your spam. I, I even searched in my spam and just couldn't find it. Huh. Uh, you know, I was like, man, what? It came from a weird email. Um, just something to think about. And then there is a gap between when they announce it and when you can actually purchase the tag. Um, and if you don't have that notification, man, it's like, how do you know? I didn't know the, the timing or anything like that, but I guess you got to buy it by June 1st. And then when it came out, yeah. So I checked a couple of times and it wasn't out yet, apparently. And then nobody ever got back to me and I never had an email confirming. So I was like, did I actually win or was it another Remy Warren? Right. Uh, <laughs> which I mean, sounds rare, but I've met other ones. So, oh, really? Yeah. I, I was like, I don't know. I was like, did I actually win it? I tried. Yeah. That was, that was a bummer. Yeah, because kind of I, I was looking for mine, and I was like, oh, Remy Warren won one. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, did you get one? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. But still, I I put in for it again just because I think it's totally worth it. I mean. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. <laughs> yeah, well, coming from that story, I probably wouldn't either, but. <laughs> uh, it's probably not the, I mean, yeah, and people would be like, you're an idiot, man. You didn't, And I was like, yeah, but you would think that you would get some kind of notification that you yeah. actually got the tag other than your name on a weird, on the website, right? Like, I right. got nothing. Um, and unfortunately couldn't, I mean, I, I was searching the email, trying to call people and I was like, yeah, it yeah. looks like it should be on there. You know, I was like, well, it's not on there. <laughs> I don't know. So it was weird. I think they, they could streamline that process and have it like when you win, you know, like here's where you go to click the verify totally. I don't know, some kind of thing. No, uh, totally. You know, and, and a part of it was on me. Right. But I, I was also like in the middle of two surgeries and yeah. Yeah. It was just, it wasn't like a great time to figure it out. So I didn't, I didn't end up hunting that tag or getting that tag, okay. uh, which is well. funny because I, I started doing that expo thing when it started. Um, I used to exhibit for my outfitting there and there was days where it was like that show you could, you could go bowling down the aisleways and there was no one. Oh, there. And really? I, you know, and I, I applied for those tags and everyone was like, there's the odds are probably like one in 20 when yeah. it started. And now it's like one in 50,000, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's just completely changed. Uh, it has. That, that thing was nuts last year. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, to see my name on there, I was like, I was pretty stoked. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah. back to the mouth tab stuff. So what, I mean, it must've been, like I said, not completely starting over, but you know, taking something that's super intuitive and you're, you know, really good at, you've been doing a long time and just completely throwing a wrench in, kind of change the whole game. I mean, what did you learn from that whole thing? Like, did it make you a better hunter? And like, in what ways, like, what would you learn from all that? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it definitely made me a better hunter in a few, in a few areas, you know, I think you get like, and so shots you're able to make. And, and actually I've kind of changed my hunting style you know, like before this, where my thought was like, just because I can shoot 60 yards means I should probably get to 20 yards. And once you start doing that, man, you just like, you get, you, you know, I don't know if this makes sense, but guys will shoot all summer and they're like, man, I'm just drilling it out to 80. Right. It's mm -hmm. like, great. And then they, they go on a stock and they get to 70 and they're like, yeah, this is it. And then something, they take that shot and something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, instead of being like, instead of getting to where your maximum is getting to your close, like this is close enough where you can't mess up. Um, and so I, I just rather take that like risk of, I'd rather blow it by trying to get closer than blow it by taking a further shot. 
Um, I, I switched to the kind of that mentality because a lot of the animals that I would hunt are really jumpy and you know, it, 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 a certain yardage, man, they jump the string games over, you blew your chance and you could have just got closer to where they, you know, they would still jump, but you'd still hit within the zone of fatality. So, um, the mouth tab, it was, I just treated it like I've got to hunt it. Like it's a trad bow, essentially 30 yards and in. And, um, by doing that and picking my right shots, man, I found a lot of success. I don't know if there was a tag that I wanted to fill that I didn't fill, oh, nice. uh, which is crazy because going into it, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot anything this year. <laughs> and I ended up shooting like my best move on, on like a, a Hawaii draw hunt. Um, I shot, uh, a, a decent, a good mature mule deer buck in Nevada, which I think that's probably the hardest archery hunt there is. Um, yeah, I think I saw that. That's the ones. There's a you guys have a video of it, and he like yep. jumps across the canyon kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, got a couple caribou this year with it. Uh, uh, an elk on a OTC hunt that I only had two or three days to wow. to hunt. Um, I actually have a video of that coming out here at the end of the week. Um, what else? A pronghorn, like spot and stock pronghorn. So pretty much every. That's legit hunt you know and then some stuff in new zealand as well like a really good fallow buck in some pretty open country you know so some, sometimes you're just like man it's not going to be possible and then you just you get in there and you hunt to however you're going to hunt and you plan your stocks a little bit better and you, you just find that like play a little bit of a patience game in some ways too and i found a lot of success doing it so um kind of surprising like it might be one of my most successful bow hunting seasons and i was hunting with a mouth tap wow. so who knows? Maybe I won't go back. Right. That was, that was my next question. Like, are you excited to ditch it? Or are you like, kind of like liking it? Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to ditch it. Uh, yeah. I did. I just last week started shooting, uh, a regular release. I can't get very many reps in, but gotcha. Um, yeah, I was, it was interesting. It's weird. Cause I haven't shot like a bow like that for about a year. So it was weird kind of feeling. It just felt weird. Uh, but I thought, well, it's a good, just starting over again in some ways like that's the longest gap i've ever gone in my yeah. life like i don't even know if i've gone a week without shooting a, a bow that way and <laughs> so then no pain or anything oh no i mean it wasn't it wasn't the most comfortable thing that's why i couldn't get a lot of reps in right um but good enough where you know i was shooting is you know shooting normal um i'm lower poundage bow than i normally would shoot about 65 pounds like and probably in a month or so i'll just bump it up to 70 and then um yeah, it was a, no, it was, it was fun. It was nice to be able to do that. And you feel like once you, once I've got that, I'm like, oh, everything is so dead, right? Like you go, you go from <laughs> oh, something yeah. Yeah. to eat here and you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is like game changing. Right yeah. So I'm excited to be able to have that. The, the plus side to the mouth tab, there's a couple of things you could, if you kind of angled your head right range at full draw, plus you can adjust <laughs> <Yeah>. your, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, nice. Yeah, that was really nice. Uh, outside of that, though, I think it, it'll be nice to go back. You got um, already 2023 20, kind of mapped out or <clears throat> Yeah, Yeah, a little bit, um, as much as you as can. As much as you can, right. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, the game's changed in the last, I would say, since 2020 because just, like, the availability of tags is less. Um, I feel like there, it's just harder to get tags. Yeah. Than, that so i hate like having to wait because like i'm trying to plan out like content and stuff too and it's like i'm gonna i have four points in wyoming for elk so i supposedly should draw a general elk tag in wyoming but i'm hearing some people say i might not 
Um, yeah. And I have enough to draw one in Montana too, but I can't like do because what if I draw both of them? It's like you know what I mean. I can't give it back, so it's tough, man. Yeah, it is. It's really tough. You gotta, and then you just don't know too, right? Like, um, I put in for a lot of tags, a lot of places. I've I've played the application game. I mean, luckily for me, I had like foresight when I was sixteen to be. I know, man. About this was before people were applying in other states, and I started applying in Utah and some other places. I mean, I've got. I can't remember. I think I've got like twenty-two points in Utah for everything. You could, <laughs> I mean, amazing. in the seven or, or whatever the max is since they opened it up to everything. But uh, you know, and you would think like I've got friends that apply for the same tag as me with two or three points, and they've drawn. I've got two friends that applied for the same tag as me. I had twenty points. They had like two or three, and they drew the tag. So wow. you just don't know. Uh, yeah, you never know. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, man. Hope you guys hope you have a good season. But um, so kind of like just talking about your career and stuff. And I've listened to you on other podcasts and stuff, and and kind of talking how you know your um, your career to kind of get to where you are was was very intentional. Um, but you know, I'm sure there's a lot of you know a lot of people want to tell you you can't do stuff as awesome as this as a job. <laughs> So did you have a lot of people like in the beginning say, oh, that's dumb or, oh, nobody does that or uh, you can't make a living doing that kind of stuff like that? And how did you kind of push through this? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely you just definitely encounter people like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, man, I was in the mountains so much that I didn't really talk to many people, to be 100 <laughs> percent honest. Like, yeah. it didn't really matter what people say because I wasn't around that many people. Um, so that wasn't, you know, that wasn't too big of a stumbling block for me. Um, I think that, I think that there is that thing though. It was, you know, I'd be around people and they just, they didn't really get it. And they're like, no, there's no way, you know, what you're doing. Um, but I think that like, it didn't really matter to me. I I just didn't, I just didn't really care. Yeah. Uh, I could see though, you know, there was, there was time, a time where, it just kind of got annoying where people just like didn't understand what you were, you know, they'd be like, Hey, let's, uh, Oh, you know, well, I think the, the major thing was <clears throat> in order to do what I wanted to do, I knew that I had to put in a lot of work and that mm-hmm. work excluded me from a lot of things. But it, to me, those other things weren't as important. So I think that, you know, people be like, Oh, why are you doing this or whatever? Like they didn't understand that I knew what I wanted and I knew what I wanted to do took a lot of time and dedication and so that's what I did. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I think that like you'd meet people in life that just kind of didn't understand that. Like, Oh, well, why can't you do this? Or why can't you do that? It's like, well, no, I gotta, I gotta work. Well, what's your work hunting? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Guiding and starting an outfitting business and, and doing all these things. I mean, I, I was, when I was 22 years old, I ran my own outfitting business in Montana. Wow. I worked for a magazine 40 hours a week for free. Uh, doing editing and other things. I also was, I, I really loved filming and other stuff. So, I mean, I filmed everything and um, which ended up helping me get on television because I had like, I mean, I was essentially filming TV shows that didn't exist uh, and just having them just to do it, just to get the experience, you yeah. know? Um, <clears throat> and so I think like people just didn't understand that, you know, you'd be, you know, I worked really hard and put in a lot of time and hours and then, you know, they're like, well, why don't you go do this with us? And it's like, well, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that that part made, you know, might have made. Yeah. You kind of have to, I saw something on Instagram the other day. It was like, basically, I mean, the, it was like Nick Saban, I think. But he's basically, the gist of it was like, 
if you want to be like exceptional or elite or whatever, it takes like a different level of dedication. You know, if you want to like do something this badass for a job, like you got to do things other people probably aren't willing to do. Right. Yeah. I think like the, I remember getting people would ask and the, the comment that would make me the most mad is like, what's the easiest way to do what you want to do? <laughs> like you will never do it. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, you just don't get it. Um, yeah. Or a lot I mean, of kids like younger, not kids, but younger guys getting into it. Um, like they're like, Oh, I don't want to go do this because they're not paying me enough or it's not paid or whatever. But like, like you said, you were doing that stuff at the, you're doing it just cause you love it and you're doing it just to get reps and, and working at the magazine for no money. I mean, sometimes you got to like pay your dues, especially in an industry like this. Oh, hundred percent. Like I had, uh, so much experience. I mean, there was not like, you know, I think I'm trying to think when I started working, I, it might've been even before that when I started working for the magazine, but I mean, there was no one my age, right. That, um, had the experience that I had. I, I had been full-time hunting guide since I was 18. Mm. Uh, I, I took the spring and summer semesters in college. So I essentially had from, uh, I think it was like just before August all the way through January off. And I would use that time to guide and hunt and do my thing work and then go to school in the off season. Uh, while I was doing that, I was, you know, working for a magazine for free. Um, yeah. I ended up becoming an editor of the magazine at 22 years old, which wow. no one I knew that age had that experience. Like it was just, I was resume building. I was build, yeah. I wanted to do something that no one else had done um, as fast as no one else, and anyone else had done that. Yeah. You know, That's... and, um, and so I think that like I had the experience. I also had like, the and then through the magazine you know, we had done filming stuff and other things and then i just continued to film and they were like oh yeah and then you did tv stuff and i was like yeah i did tv stuff for five years for free you know like i never made i lost money um like it just was everything that i worked for in my outfitting business to fund the filming and the other things um because i love to do it and it, well, like i saw the value of like putting in that time and, and doing that and working hard and you know, building the resume. Cause like, man, why would someone hire you or whatever? Right. If you don't have the experience. So yeah. that's the way that I did it. You know, there's different, everybody, I think if you talk to a hundred people, you get a hundred different answers, but I just didn't know any other way to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I've been recently watching more, um, like sportsman channel and outdoor channel and stuff. Um, but before that I didn't, I didn't have it until like pretty recently, um, so honestly, I didn't even really know about Apex Predator until I kind of started like researching you a little bit more for this podcast. But um, it seemed like a pretty cool concept for a show. Um, How did you get into that? And then I guess really like why did you stop doing it? Yeah, I, I, I that was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed doing that show. It was like it was different. You know, it was originally a uh, it was originally a show, I think, slated for animal planet or something yeah i saw um, you did some like cool like stuff like with the octopus and stuff like that kind of outside the hunting but still related to hunting you know kind of yeah, some cool exactly. stuff like that like bringing the hunting in so we were just for people that haven't seen it, it we were I, I looked at the way nature specialized at something and then i wanted to see how humans compared and then see if i could go out and like replicate what nature does so we we observed an animal the way that they hunted the way they adapted and then like would see the human technologies and the way that we could kind of take those things and i learned some really cool stuff doing the project it was a lot of fun um you know it was a it was a fairly big obviously like a fairly big time commitment which wasn't a problem um but also uh 
you know, I think the that show it, we ended up going to uh, the Outdoor Channel and Sportsman Channel or whatever because this company that um, produced it was out of New York and they also did Meat Eater and mm-hmm. uh, among other shows. But um, and then I think it was just like the timing of it was a little off because like television was going down. The price of that show was really expensive because it was originally yeah. a show for a larger network. Um, so I think that like the combination of those things, like drop in total TV viewership, still not like going mainstream with downloading, you know, like streaming yeah. yet or streaming was like a thing, but it was kind of just starting. Like, people, isn't that weird to think about yeah. like streaming wasn't really a thing, you know, yeah. not, not long ago. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I remember like being in meetings and talking and telling people like, yeah, we got to get on the streaming train. Like, I don't know about that. You know, network. <laughs> That's and a fad. It just starts plumbing. I mean, it's like yeah. within two years, network TV just like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, those were kind of some of the things that, you know, just made it a short run. But uh, it was a lot of fun when we did it. Yeah. And I thought it was a good show. Um, no, it is, it is a cool concept. Um, and so. I I guess I'm probably going to be like announcing this officially or whatever like during the intro to this since it's the 100th episode but I'm actually launching a show on Sportsman next year um oh, cool. in quarter 3 and that's kind of why I was interested in that but um do you plan on still continuing to like rolling out the like the YouTube content and stuff like that or where do you see yourself going forward as far as in terms of video stuff Yeah definitely uh yeah just like releasing it on so many different platforms now, like through YouTube primarily. I I didn't, you know, I put, I spent a lot of my time in the past, you know, dedicating toward television type stuff. Um, And I never really messed with YouTube for a while just because there was only so much time to do certain things, Um, you know, and then like this last year just decided, uh, you know, and then a lot of my content was on, um, is still on Instagram, um, different platforms, you know, but uh, I feel like YouTube's, I feel like a guy like you, um, who you have already sort of like an audience and like a following, you know, not saying that you didn't work for it because you did obviously work very hard for it. But what I'm trying to say is, is like, you know, now, you know, if you put something on YouTube, like it's going to be widely viewed because people are like, oh, it's legit. It's Remy Warren. You know what I mean? Um, a guy starting out like right now, YouTube is just like, it's so tough. Like I could put on. And I'm not saying I do, but I could theoretically put on like the best hunting film ever created. And like it'll probably still get like two or 3000 views or something just cause that's just where I'm at, you know, like, right. um, so I'm hoping that, you know, even if, you know, cause going back to like you were saying with the naysayers and stuff, like I, I have a friend I won't mention in the industry and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing the show or whatever. And he's like, Oh, you're an idiot. Like that's stupid. Like hunting shows never make like just telling me I was an idiot and like not to do it. And I was like, you know what? Like even if this thing quote unquote fails and I go two seasons and just break even or like lose a little bit, I don't care. Like it's going to be an awesome experience. I'm going to learn a ton about TV, which I have a TV background, but uh, I never like produced a show on my own. Um, So it was like, and it'll just, you know, it'll help get my name out there, even if it's not, like, the next meat eater or whatever. Like, even if even if it's a fail, it's going to be a win in my book. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, you just don't know unless you try. That's yeah. the reason, like, most people, it just, yeah, if you don't try it, you don't know, right? Exactly. And I honestly think, like, there is kind of a swing back into some of that stuff, especially because, like, you can get 
basically you can be like on Amazon Prime now. I just went, uh, I just kind of checked this out a couple weeks ago because um, I wanted to see an episode of Western Hunter that I was like, I love when they hunt Dude, Nevada. I love that show. So I'm like, I'm like, all right. And they sent, they'll send me the episodes, but I was like, it's just easier not to ask for anything. And I yeah. just got the subscription like just through Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. And it's just, okay, yeah, now you've got all the stuff streaming. And yeah. I feel like there is kind of a swing back to some of that stuff as well. For sure. Um, and it's I'd not like right around with that idea of like bringing back a show, you know? Yeah. Um, and and the thing is you're hitting an audience that is still very much, there still is a big audience for linear TV. It's different. It's a little bit of an older audience, but has some, you know, expendable income and loves to hunt. Um, and so anyway, I can talk to you more about the concept of the show later, but it's going to be kind of unique. But all I'm trying to say is, is like, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive because um, I can release all my episodes on YouTube as soon as like the quarter ends or whatever. Yeah. You know? So it's like, why not? Yeah, exactly. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I think you'll do real well. It's like, and it's a lot of fun, right? Uh, It's fun to to, to create something and share it with people. Uh, It's a lot of fun to do that. So um, it is fun. How did you link up with uh, Tim and what was that whole dynamic like? Oh, for Solo Hunter? Um, Yeah, it was funny because I was like, I think I was watching Outdoor Channel or something one day, and the Solo Hunter thing came up, and it was like he kind of had his own little ad in there, like, hey, if you want, if you've got some solo filmed content, uh, you know, send it to us, and we'll, you know, like, whatever. It was like almost like a contest, right? (laughs) And, um, And I was like, well, like I had said, I for the past however many years, I really, I've always loved filming. Uh, while I was in high school, I simultaneously went to college as well and uh, took like video broadcast and production technology. So it was like from very, I mean, like my first hunting film I made for my dad with a handy cam and like edited it when I was 11 years old. Um, so it was like, that was something I was always really into. Yeah. Um, and so I did, I had no clue. Like at the time TV was the big you know and now there's sure. a full channel for hunting stuff i had no clue how to make a tv show right i didn't know what i needed to do but my thought was like i went and i got the camera like a good camera and all the stuff and i thought like i'm just gonna film the stuff like i just uh, and these are just gonna be videos for my friends but it doesn't really matter because i'm getting that experience of like filming stuff and a lot of the stuff i didn't have anyone around so i just started self-filming stuff so i got the camera you know what i mean like i yeah. it was just I didn't have anyone to go with me, so I just started cell phone stuff. So I saw this solo hunter thing, and I was like, I sent him, a, or I think I sent him an email, like, hey, man, I've got, like, I think I had probably, like, 45 hunts. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I've got 45 hunts filmed, you know, like, they're pretty good. You know, I got a, I shot a 220-inch mule deer with my bow. I shot a 300 Oh, my God. I got um, him looking at the email. Like, yeah, like, and he's like, and he's like, where are you at? And we ended up living, like, four miles away from each other no way <laughs> yeah so i was like dude i'll just come by and show you what i got i just brought like a box of tapes they're wow. all like DVD tapes and um and then that became like the first five seasons of solo hunter dude. which is funny you know what i mean so he's like yeah. that goes back to like we were saying is like you just did it because you loved it yeah. not because yeah. like for some big thing yeah and i put myself in a position for like an opportunity right yeah. like an opportunity were to present itself exactly uh, and I had, and I didn't even know like that was the opportunity, but if somebody was like, okay, hey, a, a camera, like if I was guiding, cause I, when I was guiding, I'd been on TV shows, 
but like as the guide yeah. uh you know and to be honest like the people that were the hunters or whatever were pitiful it was just <laughs> it was like i was like this is hunting tv and at the time white tails were king oh um, dude some of guy- it even still to this day is like kind of <laughs> embarrassing i mean honestly i'm not knocking it or whatever like don't don't be offended, but 90% of it is still a dude sitting in a box over like a corn feeder or like maybe a food plot. And you're like, dude, do better. Come on. Yeah. And I mean, there's ways to make that better too. Right. But right. like, it was funny because it was just like these guys that you're the guide, you know, hunting guy and you, and you, you're like, these people have no hunting, like real hunting experience. And I had always thought like a Western big game style, like do it yourself show would have been good. And I'd been told a thousand times that will never work. <laughs> and I was like, and they're like, Hey, you want to show? Why don't you do this? And I was like, nah, I'm just going to do my thing. And it turns did out, they think that it wouldn't work. It. Did they think it would be like too expensive to produce or they think people wouldn't like watching it or both? No one would want to watch it. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, they were wrong, I guess, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. um well that's cool man um so and then like what was so you said he took those and that was the first five seasons of like he used what you had and you guys just went with it yeah for the most part i think probably definitely that stuff that i'd already had was definitely two or three seasons and then you know and then we kind of caught up by like it got better but i think like season four or five was our like it was the sweet spot because a lot of the stuff that I've filmed before wasn't for something yeah. specific. Um, it was, did he just, hire you? Was he buying the stuff from you or was it pro bono at first? Yeah. Pro bono. <laughs> nice. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, my first gig, I did get paid. It was a filming gig, but I got paid like, I mean, I don't even think it covered all my expense. It probably just barely covered my expenses, but I just knew it was like a good opportunity and that led to a lot of, you know, trickling other opportunities. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, um, I also, have you ever read the book, um, just a little bit of a transition here, but have you ever read the book, uh, Wild at Heart? Have you ever heard of that? Mm, uh, who wrote it? Do you know? Uh, no, I should have looked that up. It sounds familiar, but, uh. It's like a nonfiction about like, about basically like men and like why we are the way we are and stuff. But he basically says like all men need a battle to fight an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. It's like in our DNA. Does that sound familiar at all? Yeah, it sounds pretty Sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, man. And like I was thinking about it, and I was just listening to that the other day. It's a good book if you guys are out there listening, or Remy, if you want to check it out. But it's on audiobook too. But And then I heard the Rogan podcast that you did. Um, oh, yeah. I heard the story of your wife, which is incredible. Um. I don't want to like suck up too much time, even though it's an awesome story. But like, since you've told it before, basically before they were married, Remy's wife got lost in the wilderness for three days, right? Yep. Almost died. And you found her. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) Which is like, so, you know, in, in the book, it's talking about a beauty to rescue. And like most of us, it's, it's very much like kind of, you know, not a lit- in the literal sense, but like you literally rescued your wife. Yeah, that is true. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, have- you know, it's like I can always hold that over her head. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, remember that time I saved your life? <laughs> <laughs> Does it work? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, 
you were telling the story and you're talking about how you just set out and you said I'm quoting I'm paraphrasing you, but you said, I prayed I think you said I prayed to God or something that I would that I would see something or whatever and you saw a track, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like just I was literally just praying, like, give me a sign that she's like here. And I looked down and I'm like, there's some scuff marks and like not even a track. I mean, this is like, you know, middle of nowhere, middle of the dark. And I just started following it and then it kind of got lost in this flat plateau. And I just had this weird feeling there. I was like, I feel like she's here. Wow. Uh, but then I left that spot and then because I saw a light like up on the mountain thinking mm-hmm. that maybe they got a FLIR system for us. And um and then so I left that spot and then radioed my brother and my buddy and was like, Hey guys, like we're going to, we got to like reposition and be ready. So we're going to like get on high points and be glassing first thing in the morning uh, when the sun came up. But I w- wanted to go back to that spot that I just had that weird feeling at. And then I went back to that spot and, um, and then, yeah, just like sat down and yelled like, Hey, Danielle, if you can hear me, this is Remy. I'm not leaving till I find you. And then I just heard her yell my name. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, but it's so faint. I was like, am I making this up? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And it was the way the canyon was like this big basin with a bunch of cliffs around. And uh, so I didn't know if she was like, you know, I'd seen it before it got like, I knew like the topography of it. Um, but I didn't know if like she was across the way or whatever. And I didn't want that to be the only time that I heard anything, uh, you know, cause like, I just, it's just like, if she replied again, you know? So I turned off my rate, like did, you know, it was like moving in that direction as quiet as possible, as fast as possible. And, uh, you know, yelled out again and she was right below me about 300 yards. And, Dang. uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. like, man, crazy, man. Like a very interesting rush of emotions because when I was looking for, her, I didn't know if I was like, gonna ever find her right i didn't know if i was gonna find a dead body i didn't know if i was like there was weird reports of like i don't know you know like these sometimes these <clears throat> situations they it's like they're working off a lot of different information and there was information of like the dogs went up the canyon they came back and then there was reports of a like a van with mexico plates leaving the area so like half of the people were like oh she was taken Jeez. Like, that's just a really horrible feeling. Like, you're like, yeah. are we just looking around for somebody that, is, that was essentially abducted? Which is probably, like, worse than dying in the desert. Yeah, I would think so. Um, you know, so you're like, okay, this is, like, a how long? Like, in, you're, when you're looking, you're like, is this going to be, like, a how long? You know what I mean? Like, is this going to be years of look? Like, you just don't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was just it was a horrible experience. Uh, I mean, it turned out good. But, like, in the moment, it was very. Uh, yeah. So, going back to that moment when you saw the scuff mark, like presumably you believe in God. Like, do you think he heard your prayer and literally like helped you find her? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, you know, we were just, everyone I knew was praying, you know, including myself. Cause we, you know, we, we didn't know what was going to happen, but we knew it wasn't going to be good if we didn't, if something didn't happen then. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And do you consider was, yourself a spiritual person? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind talking about it or is it private? Oh, no. I mean, I don't mind talking about it. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, it's yeah, kind of one mean, of the themes of the podcast is, is oh. um, spirituality. Well, basically, just to give you a little background. So, you know, I always thought there was tons of great content out there, especially in hunting about physical fitness and mental toughness. But I see yeah. us as triune beings, the spirit being the third piece of that. 
and no one was really talking about it. So it's kind of a one of the themes I have of the podcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I think that like in life, you know, like I attribute a lot of the things to God and, and that's why, you know, I am where I am too. Like, you know, I have I've a lot of faith in things and I have a lot of faith in God as well. Um, but also, you know, I feel like it's one of those things, man. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have been able to find her. It, it's just it, like the, the coincidence of timing would be too strange on that one. You're like literally yeah. praying and like look down and be like, hmm, maybe I'll follow this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's pretty crazy. So. And the fact that when you called out, she was like very close to you. Yeah. Like right in that spot where I had that feeling of like. Because she was on like the brink of death. Like she couldn't yell probably even. No. No. And I think like to like being so dehydrated, so out of it, like just not even knowing. I didn't realize like that was my first experience of like somebody in one of those scenarios where it's just like they're so out of it. Like she thought I was she was hallucinating me. Right. Like that's. You just like you hear these stories of people like snowmobiling and then found dead because they like have no jackets on, right? Like mm-hmm. they just, it's yeah, like your body just shuts down and mostly your mind shuts down first, you know. Yeah. I think that's, you know, a heat stroke, waking up like where you don't know where you are. It's just like a combination of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, well, I, I felt like, I don't know if you thought about this before, but it almost seems like God like created you. And, like, gave you all these life experiences and literally, like, prepared you for, like, the most important hunt of your life, which is, like, hunting oh, for your wife. Totally. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I think about that a lot. Like, I, I had a, like, uh, Liam Neeson style. I had a certain set of skills, <laughs> right? Like, exactly. Like, because they had been there. Like, I tell people to go back and listen to the episode <laughs> with Joe Rogan because there was, like, a crew of, like, like actual people whose job it is is to find lost people and then you came in and found her like a, in a day yeah <laughs> yeah i guess like there was a black hawk helicopter searching there was all the stuff right um but yeah and and i think it was it, yeah it was it was pretty cool that it, that i was the one to find her um and that she was found do you think god prepared you for that moment oh yeah i think like my whole life prepared me for that you know like every every aspect of it you know, I think that there's things that like, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I think there's something to do with when you spend so much time doing something, you, you get it, like you gain a certain skill about it. Um, and I, I know because I've, I've spent that time. I mean, I, and I, I'm not like, I don't like to be like a, I don't know. I'm not like a beat my chest kind of guy. Like I, I just don't like that vibe. I don't like to be that person, but I feel like I've put in the time and I've gained a, a certain set of skills that most people, most hunters will not gain. Mm. Um, I mean, there's, there's years like when I was single, I, I would spent 323 days out in the wild. That's, I mean, like you just, I lived out hunting like yeah. through fighting through my own hunts, through all this stuff. Um, you know, I have thousands of days like doing this stuff. And there's things that I notice that the normal person may never notice in their lifetime. Um, and some of those things are hard to put into words, like how you develop this. Right. Um, but I think that that's one of like the, the things that I'm most like fortunate and proud of in life is that I've gained this skill that is something that I love to do. And, and I've got, I get to experience it at a level that most people will never get to experience. Um, and, you know, and through what I do, I meet other people that have similar 
experiences and do this, this kind of same thing for a living, you know, most yeah. of them, nobody would ever have heard of. Um, but you know, it's fun to get together with those people because you realize like you got like, it's funny because like they might be from Africa or, uh, New Zealand or wherever. Right. And you realize that there's things that you guys, like I learned that I, nobody taught me that I do that mm. they also do. Right. So it's like, yeah. it's funny. Like you get into this groove and you, and you start to like develop these skills and other things just through repetition and, and doing it. And I feel very blessed and fortunate to be able to like, have experienced hunting in this, in this way. And, and by spending so much time doing it like that, that to me is kind of the thing that I've always strived for. Um, and so that, that's the fun part for me. And, and then it translates into other things, right? Like you go like, okay, finding my wife. And then like that, that was there, there's things that I learned over the years that I didn't even know I learned that probably led to that work being successful. Yeah. The greatest hunt of your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so cool, man. Um, so, an adventure to live. I think that one's obvious. A beauty to rescue. You got that. What do you think is your battle to fight? Mm, battle to fight. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think like. Um, in in some ways, uh, I, I I don't really know. Um, trying that to is a tough question. Yeah, no, that is a really tough question. Um, <laughs> For me, like in my life, I've had to fight battles of like I I have an addiction in my past. I'm not like I'm just telling you my perspective. My yeah. uh, and also like I was super overweight at one point, um, and so I've had to fight through that stuff. And it could be. It could be just the battle to, you know, continue to live your dream or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about it, there's like, there's a lot of stuff that you could like put into that category. You know, I'm not saying like, it's hard because I don't have any battles to fight. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think for me right now, like the one is I want to, I want to, I kind of want to be able to create a, a business around what I do for the people that I work with and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, and that, that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of work. Um, For sure. I'm the type of person, like, I like to like, you know, help people out. Um, and I, that's like one of the things that I really want to be able to do in life is like create a business that's a little bit bigger than just me. And I can do things that are, you know, I, I don't, I don't need anything. Like I, it's, you know, you see like, oh yeah, it's sheep mount, you know, whatever. But like, um, for me, like I do the thing that I love to do. And yeah. so like, uh, my wife and I, we, you know, we don't need to spend a lot. We don't really need to do like we do our thing, which is going out and hunting and enjoying that. And, uh, you know, I'd like to build something that can help a lot more people. Um, that's kind of one of my goals in life. And I think that, you know, it, it's been my whole life in the making. And I think that we're kind of getting to that point where it's going to start to come to fruition and put in a lot of work in a lot of different areas. And, uh, to see that come to pass is one thing. And then I think yeah. the other thing is like, you know, just, just balancing that family work kind of thing, because for a lot of my life, you know, I did things alone. Um, I, uh, you know, put it in a lot of time spent a lot of time in a tent by myself, like, you know, so, um, <laughs> like to, to just kind of transition into that, like planning things out better and just, you know, being, you know, yeah. uh, there for my family too, because that's like the most important thing to me, um, is my family. So. 
Absolutely, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, having a kid changes everything, and that's a perfect segue to what I wanted to ask you about. But um, even just, like, you can't just, like, throw in your shoes and jacket and run out the door. Like, it takes 20 minutes now. you got to, like, put shoes on a little person, and you got to, like, put their car seat in. You know what I mean? Like, it's just everything is um, – and I'm sure, like you said, going from a life where you literally just are kind of all over the globe, living out of a tent, doing pretty much probably whatever you want uh how you know how has your life changed you know like how is how are things different now that you're a dad and coming on data too yeah i mean you know it's, it's like sometimes the hunts that i go on are are you know, i would think about like you know this this one particular hunt before would be like oh man i really want to do that like hardcore backcountry hunt uh or whatever you know and i still do those hunts and i still love those hunts but one of my favorite hunts was like i had my daughter in our backpack and my wife was had a rifle and we were just hunting fallow deer we were in new zealand but yeah. um you know like a, a a hunt that i've probably done a, a thousand times and this was like the most enjoyable one it was just yeah. like a lot of fun. and you know there's like all the little it was kind of fun just trying to figure out the like okay how do you take a six or i guess what was she like six or eight months old um that's awesome in, like on a hunt like that right yeah. and like, logistics of it and like the whole game of it and it was just like a lot of fun you know uh i don't know i think that like i'm really looking forward to that sharing the outdoors with my family in the future too um that that's 100%. cool like, so my favorite hunting memories were just like with my dad growing up mm-hmm. and so i want to you know be able to to pass that on and have those kind of memories with my family as well do you know if the next one's a boy or girl yet uh, it's a boy yeah. oh Excited. Yeah, so one of each yeah i think it's cool like yeah i know I mean, you girls like, are cool too oh, but like warrior. i was like i kind of assumed i would have all girls so i was like <laughs> i don't really care yeah. uh, i just want a healthy baby to be honest for sure like, absolutely i don't put a lot of pressure on that because uh, to be honest like i haven't met my son yet but um i think my daughter will be the hunter in the family like she is about it man she loves deer she loves being outside like yeah, she take she's like a little version of me, so I would That's not awesome. be surprised if like who knows what the next one will be like. But like I can already tell based on her personality, she is all about it. See, I'm not gonna lie, like so my son's eight and my daughter's three, but I already feel like she's gonna be the one wanting to go in the mountains with me more than my son too. Like I don't know, oh, yeah. <laughs> just her personality is just like ah, and like my son's very much more like well behaved and like kind of clean and you know what I mean. <laughs> like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, but um. So, okay, um, that's cool, man. Um, I did want to ask you this. This might be kind of an off-the-wall question, but you've probably arguably spent more time in the woods than a lot of people alive, um, definitely probably as most of my guests, but have you ever seen or heard anything, like, unexplained in no. nature? No? No, that I mean, no. Okay. Not to think of. Um, <laughs> no Bigfoot sightings, huh? No Bigfoot sightings. You know. <laughs> okay. No alien encounters. <laughs> okay. No Yetis. I've uh, had one experience, but I didn't see it. It was just something I heard, but I don't know. I just was curious. Was it like a, a growling sound or like a? No, I was. Um, I was on a solo hunt in the mountains here in Virginia, and um. Yeah, obviously I've not spent as much time in the woods as you, but I have been hunting since I was like seven years old. I've spent a lot of time in the woods. Um, So, you know, I've heard a lot of different noises. Um, I heard something moving through the forest, like um, 
probably about 100 yards away, but I couldn't see it. Uh, it was just coming the other side of like a little ridge. Um, but it literally sounded like like a steamroller, like rolling through the for- like the foliage. Like, like super loud. And oh, this was yeah. like no roads anywhere near, no no people anywhere near me. Um, the only like if I had to if I had to say like okay you must explain this in terms of something biological I know of, I would say it would have to have been like at least three bears like rolling through the leaves. <laughs> uh, I I can pose a hypothesis. Okay, here let's all right. because I've heard the same thing. Um, I thought it was I was like so we were in South south dakota i was guiding in south dakota and um i heard this sound coming down one of these draws and it sound it was like in this draw and it sounded like i was like there's no road over here and it sounds like someone's running a tractor like tracked tractor yeah right and um i went over there i i found it it was a flock of like 300 turkeys and they were scratching through the leaves and it was so loud no joke i thought a tractor was running like i thought it was like a, it was the weirdest sound I'd ever, I've never heard anything that loud. And it was like 300, it was like a flock of 300 turkeys, like scratching together. And it was in the fall. It was like November, I think. Yeah. Uh, and Did like it move? Scratch- Someone mentioned that to me too. Yeah. But the other thing that was, was weird like is like, moving. it moved very fast. Yeah. It was like, like probably what happened, like, cause I had heard it and I'm like, dude, what the hell? And nothing was there. <laughs> and then I heard it again. So I think like the whole flock of turkeys was like, I guess they group up in the winter time because I had to ask someone about it. I was like, have you ever heard anything like this? I never heard anything like it. Yeah. And um, the, the first time it was like moving fast because I think they were running, like they got spooked. Okay. And then when we were coming out, I actually found the flock and, and it was like, dude, that noise, it was down here. <laughs> it was just like a fat wad of turkeys. Okay. Um, well, I have, had, I have had someone else say it could have been that too. So maybe, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, who knows? Either that um, or a ghost train. <laughs> what's that? Either that or a ghost train. Yeah. yeah. That's it was crazy. It was the weirdest thing, man. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, um so I, uh, I will I will add this though. I thought it was pretty funny. I was in Oklahoma maybe a couple years ago and I, I looked up and I said, you know when you see like a meteor and it's like the fireball kind with the big tail and everything? Yes. And I was by yes. myself. I like see it that. looks super low. Yeah, it's like boom, like big bright, like you mm-hmm. know, the whole tail, like really cool. And I was like, whoa, that is cool. I was like, oh man, alien invasion. I just <laughs> around. And one second later, I see like a satellite, a satellite. Is that like all bunch up moving together? And they just launched the um Starlink satellites and they hadn't gapped out yet and I had no clue about this. Oh wow. And I was like, this is weird. I, I could tell based on like how they're following the same pattern that it was like satellites, but I'd never seen anything like it because they're real close together. Yeah. Um there's like ones that were further gapped out. So it was like just a train of I think like 20 something satellites, but like at the same exact time pre-dawn is like this giant fireball and then like these crazy satellite things that you'd never seen before going around i guess like there's that would freak out so i at least i had service i was like i know this is something but i was like everybody has to be seeing this right so i looked <laughs> online and there's like people in other countries freaking out like <laughs> we're coming in and all that oh stuff. my gosh like what is I, the odds of that timing right i have seen one of those meteors like that super low super bright really big like it's weird oh yeah um cool. so okay i don't want to take up too much more time we're almost done here but 
I gotta ask you really quick because I'm pretty interested in it. Um, you know, I'm coming from the East Coast. I do a lot of hunts out west, so that requires you know extra logistics and you know just extra stuff. So um, I'm very attracted to uh, New Zealand, and I'm very attracted to DIY stuff. Um, just I feel like I learn more even if it takes longer when I got to figure, I like have to figure it out myself. If I have a guide or something, like I very much like just check out and go into autopilot and like, okay, I'm following this guy. So I don't like doing that. Um, not to mention it's just much cheaper, but, um, is a lot or is New Zealand something that is like legit, like, like a guy like me with like, you know, some experience, not a ton, but you can actually do it DIY and not like die and be successful. <laughs> Not die part. I'm not sure about that. That's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> the successful part. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely something you can do. I will say it's probably for certain species is the most mm. treacherous country you'll ever hunt. Um, you have to have a certain amount of like mountaineering experience. Like I would say like tar and chamois hunting in New Zealand is a level 10 out of 10. Um, as far as like what you need to know certain times of the year. What would like, be a good starter for New Zealand? I mean, that would be too, right? Like you can, you can, you can go as hard or as soft as you want. Um, it's a good backpack trip. There's red deer, uh, in the beach forest. It's just steep. You just got to be careful. Like it's something you probably want to, the first time you do it, uh, have somebody with you, like a buddy yeah. or something, but yeah, it's absolutely doable. Um, it's definitely very steep, rugged country. Um, when you get into like the winter time in the Alpine, it's very dangerous. Uh, like we hunt with like ropes and crampons and yeah. I mean, the episode you did with Steve was like, that was sketch that river crossing. Oh yeah. Totally sketchy. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> um, and like, you just like the thing about it, I, I kind of recommend for guys like, yeah, you can do it. And you know, if you, you want, you don't want that to be your first backcountry hunt, right. right. Uh, or your first backpack trip or your first like mountain hunt. Um, you want to have some experience because there's a couple of reasons that I suggest that one for your own safety. Um, I mean, you can get by like, you know, some people, just don't put yourself in a stupid situation. Like if it's yeah. sketchy, don't do it. Um, because the thing about it is like the fact that we're allowed to do that is dependent on like people kind of following a certain set of right. unspoken rules. And those Not rules are, don't get yourself into trouble where somebody needs to help you. Yeah. Because if that happens a lot, then they're going to shut it down for people. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. Yeah. Like don't do something stupid. And every year people do something stupid. Of course. Um, and sometimes you aren't doing something stupid, but you put yourself in a bad situation accidentally or whatever. Yeah. I've been in multiple bad situations there. Um, but also like, I felt like I had like the skills. Eh, I don't know. Sometimes like there's things that I did when I was 22, 23, 24, whatever, early, late twenties yeah. that I would never do now. Like, and actually like I'm afraid to do, uh, yeah. You know, you told another story on the Rogan podcast of that one situation where you like were super scared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the lady was cussing you out and slapping you and stuff. Yeah. Like, the most scared (laughs) I've been, like, almost dying on the mount. Like, just when you put yourself in a situation where you might fall to your death, like, it's there's not a lot. Like, one bad step and you're dead is like a really not settling feeling. I don't like that. Now I don't even like getting close to that kind of country like yeah and the last a couple weeks ago it was like okay i just got to jump to this rock and then i'm like in a good position i'm like i'm not doing this shit anymore especially because i only had one hand yeah. you know you're not gonna do this do you have like a do you have like a place over there where you keep a vehicle stashed and stuff like that and some gear so you don't have to like take it every time yeah yeah okay because i've been thinking about 
I've been thinking about trying to like find somewhere in Salt Lake City to like get some old truck and leave it there so I can just fly out with my camera gear and like rifle and just go. Yeah, that's what a buddy of mine does. He's got like he rents a storage unit. He's got a Land Cruiser, and then he just, uh, you know, and he's got a little camp trailer kind of thing, and he just mm-hmm. parks it there. And Salt Lake's like a pretty, you know, you can be very in, central. Uh, Mont- yeah, like you're six seven hours from anything. Like, yeah. and, and you can get flights there pretty easy. It's a super nice uh, airport, and it's like right in the middle. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty solid. Interesting. Okay. Well, cool, man. Um. Well, people probably already know, but if they don't, where can they look you up and find more of your stuff you got going? Yeah, I mean, um, you go always go to if you want to find anything, go to my website, remywarren.com. It's got pretty much links to everything. Uh, YouTube at Remy Warren, Instagram at Remy Warren, uh, Live Wild Podcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Sweet. And yeah, you got tons of really good <clears throat> tips and tactics and information on there. I was listening to a bunch of them, so definitely go check out Remy's stuff. He's got great stuff on his YouTube. Um, So, yeah, I'm sure you guys already know who he is, but if you don't, go check him out. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, man. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. It was fun chatting with you. Yeah, glad we could connect. Me too, man.